No. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. What's up? What's up, Top Rope Nation? Coming at you a couple of days early this week. It's Tuesday night. Usually we're streaming on Thursdays or Fridays, maybe even on the weekend. Tuesday nights has been a while. Um, but we had, you know, we had some reasons we wanted to go live on Tuesday. We had to overcome some challenges, though, to do this tonight. So I want to thank everybody who's tuning in live to Top Rope Nation here, streaming on YouTube. We're streaming on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, basically anywhere we could be streaming. But like I said, there were some challenges in, in doing this. And uh, I'm joined by Kyle Ross and Justin Joint. And Kyle, I guess... Number one, I, I just really want to thank you. I know it was a tough choice to uh, to do the streaming tonight on a Tuesday night because you had to miss NXT 2.0. So I really appreciate you being here live on Top Rope Nation, Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> NXT, I'll tell you what, last week I learned my lesson. First and last time I'm going to watch that show live. <laughs> People can check that out if they're a patron. My rant yeah. about Braun Breaker. Uh, that's right. Uh, over on the Patreon page, we put out a bonus show each and every week. Top Rope Nation Extra. Last week, it was uh, Kyle and myself basically doing an NXT-centric show, which we haven't done in a long time. A laundry list of complaints up at the state of NXT 2.0. Uh, Justin Joint, you may have heard that show. Uh, so we haven't haven't heard from you in, in a few days. How are you doing tonight? I am great. Uh, my kid tonight for the first time finally tried pizza and of course loved it like we told him he would uh antonio conte is the new uh gaffer of the tottenham hotspur so that's very exciting and uh i'm in the midst of a move which is a bit of a pain in the Ooh. ass but is uh, uh much needed and very much looking forward to getting to our new pad Yes, and I'm hoping to help you set up a little podcasting corner yeah. or something, a little studio in your house. So stay tuned, everybody, because Justin Joint's going to have some new digs pretty soon. It's going to be a lot of fun. So yeah, congrats on the on the new house, and I hope everyone out there listening or watching is having a great week. And uh, we have, we're going to do this show a little bit differently tonight. Uh, so to let you know what we're going to be doing, we're just kind of rapid fire a lot of uh, topics that we wanted to get to because in recent weeks, we've been doing a lot of theme shows. You know, we've, well, we've done reviews, of course, of pay-per-views, but then we also, you know, we look back at King of the Ring history, for example. Uh, I put out on the feed our Halloween Havoc look back uh, last week from that we recorded last year. But we haven't done a show really centralized on the goings-on of the current wrestling scene, just hitting all the big topics. So that's what we're going to do tonight. And then we're also going to go into the mailbag. It has been a really long time since we've done a mailbag segment here on Top Rope Nation. So as you're listening... If you want to get your questions read on the show, you can email us. It's topropenation at gmail.com. And if we read your question on the show, we'll send you a free Top Rope Nation sticker in the mail. So send those questions in so that the next time we do this, and I promise it won't be as long as it's been for this one, uh, we'll get to your question. Hopefully, we got a ton of great questions tonight. I took them from email. I took them from our Facebook Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling Discussion Group. So we're going to get a lot of people involved as we go. Of course, let us know your thoughts on whatever the topic is we're talking about tonight. Uh, or even if you have a question, throw it out there in the chat. Like I said, we're streaming on YouTube. We're streaming on Twitch, um, Twitter.com, Facebook.com. 
So yeah, you can get a hold of us a multitude of ways. And if you're listening to the podcasting version of the show on, I guess I'll probably put this out tomorrow. So Wednesday morning, two days early, make sure you hit that subscribe button, leave us a five stars, leave us a written review. We, we read those written reviews on the show when they come in. And uh, as we mentioned, Patreon, it is the absolute best way to support what we're doing here at Top Rope Nation. Bonus shows each and every week, plus a monthly bonus show, uh, Top Rope Nation Classics, uh, which is honestly, I think the guys would agree with me, maybe the favorite favorite show that we do <laughs> as a crew. It's once a month, but it's a big time deep dive looking back at a, a a historical event in wrestling history. And we take those suggestions from our patrons. You're able to nominate a show and then we have a vote amongst our patrons and the winning show is the one we do on top rope nation classics. So we'll have a November show out very soon. October. We just looked back at a classic Coliseum video, which was a uh, smack em, whack em, Kyle. That was a fun one. Wasn't it? It sure was. I don't think I can do another impression. A little under the weather tonight. <laughs> Just want to let all the listeners know. So I don't think I, you know what? Maybe I can do a smack them, whack them. <laughs> <laughs> Such a good show. Great time. So yeah, check it out. If you're a patron, if you're not a patron, click the link here in the uh, podcast description and see what it's all about. Best way to support Top Rope Nation. So uh, let's see. The chat room is active. We're going to get you guys involved here in a second. Uh, let's just start off with the number one topic. I've got this as the thumbnail for tonight's show. Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch. Now, Kyle, you were pretty vocal about this on social media. I know you saw the match. I'm not sure if Justin did. I mean, if you've seen one of them, you've seen all of them recently, though. I mean, we've had Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch wrestling since they were on SmackDown. Now they're both over on the Raw brand. They opened up Monday Night Raw, and, you know, people were looking forward to the match, uh, but once again, Bianca Belair comes up short. And so before we get to just the creative direction of what's been going on with Bianca and Becky, and I think we're probably going to say a lot of what we said when the heel turn originally happened, Kyle, what were your thoughts on that match just last night on Raw? Bianca shouldn't have lost. I know that was a heel finish, but she shouldn't have lost. And where do you go from here? I mean, I think there's a larger issue beyond just the women's division on Raw of just a complete lack of compelling programs. Perhaps we could talk about that later. I don't know. But, you know, the match itself was okay, but what I wrote, on Twitter was in the case of last night's match, Bianca versus Becky, and then last week's match, which I ranted on uh, from NXT 2.0, Tommaso Ciampa and Braun Breaker, the respective finishes of those matches prevent me from saying great match because I think the results were both terrible in both instances. Justin, did you see the match at all or read anything about it? Just what you guys said. I'm not about to turn on that program until I hear consistent <laughs> things week to week. I really was not either. I was watching the Chicago Bulls, and I watched that game, and then I then I started Raw from the beginning, and I saw the match, you know, because it was the first match. And like Kyle said, they had a, a decent match, but yeah, the finish was that Bianca got Becky up for the KOD, but Becky like pulled off the turnbuckle pad, and then she ran Bianca into it rolled her up, 
pinfall. And so like Bianca as the face is coming up short over and over again. The big thing that was noticeable though is and we've been so vocal on this here on Top Rope Nations from the very start. What an idiotic decision it was to turn Becky Lynch heel. Nobody wants to boo her. When she won, the place popped big. Like she got more crowd reaction than Bianca did, even from the entrance. I mean, from the very start, it was clear to me watching that Becky had more cheers going on. She's supposed to be the heel. So like this, to me, this is an unwinnable situation for Bianca Belair. I mean, you kind of understand what they were going for. You know, Bianca, they want to make her the the new face of the women's division. And she had such a huge moment, you know, at WrestleMania and the Rumble and everything. And then you got Becky coming back. And so I guess they think, hey, make Becky a heel. And then Bianca can overcome her and become the new, you know, the new top dog. But nobody wants to boo Becky Lynch. And it is so obvious. And there's just no way Bianca can come out of this better than she was before. Like, to me, she's lost so much stock since WrestleMania. I mean, that was the highlight of WrestleMania 37. Easily to me was was Bianca Belair winning the title from Sasha Banks. And so I don't see how she can possibly emerge from this ahead of where she was before. Kyle? So, yeah. So there's a lot of big picture issues at play, as there often are with these things, if you're going to criticize. Um, one, you know, they're, they've done the feud all wrong from the start. The way it began with, and I know they were kind of in a pickle because Sasha couldn't wrestle at SummerSlam. I just would have not done a match at SummerSlam, believe it or not. I don't, I mean, yes, people in the moment would say, I can't believe we were denied and all oh, the women are getting shafted again. People would have said that, but I think they would have moved on pretty quickly. Um, You talked about Bianca winning at WrestleMania and, you know, that to a lot of people, and I probably won't disagree, was the highlight of WrestleMania this past year. But so you've got her as this strong champion. You did the right thing and you want to bring Becky back. Well, what you want to create is people wanting to see that match down the road. Mm -hmm. And if you want Becky to be a heel, you bring her back as a baby face. So people get that, you know, that. Uh, initial desire to cheer her out of their system because they're just ha- that, that's what happens at WWE. It's been that way the whole 21st century. When people come back, they are at their most over, and they almost always get a baby face reaction because mm-hmm. people are generally tired of seeing all the other same people over and over again, and they wanted to see something new because the, the TV is lousy. So they started it completely bass backwards with just bringing Becky back and doing a heel turn. Uh, not only do people not want Becky to be a heel, I think Becky's a lousy heel. <laughs> Liam, so Liam said it on the Crown Jewel review, and he is correct, as he's correct about a lot of things. It is if sh- she and Seth just watched Conor McGregor YouTube videos and are just doing bad impressions <laughs> yes. of that. With the just the garish costumes and the like over the top, like I watched the one promo last night, it was just awful. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think, her decision to do this. It was, yeah, <laughs> pardon me. And somebody should have stepped in and said, No, she recently came out and said it wasn't her idea. 
in an interview. I, I read that somewhere that it, uh, I think Vince wanted to turn her heel. That she was surprised that they weren't going to have her come back as a baby face. Really? I will I have not look seen it up. that, but okay. yeah, I'd heard it was that she really wanted to do it. And, you know, if that is the case, if she really wanted to do it, someone has to be the smarter voice in the room and say, you know, that's great that you have this passion to do it. We're not doing it because you're one of the top two faces of the company right now. And these, you know, that level of over with the crowd does not happen very often in this company anymore. You know, in the last 10 years, there's like a handful of people that have gotten to that level that she was at. And then when you're coming back from the long absence, like you said, Kyle, everybody wants to see it. You can't turn heel, at least not then. You got to roll with with the baby face thing at least for a few months and then maybe do it. Not and, right and, off the bat. And regardless of who even decided it, it it was just wrong-headed to do from the start because you've created a situation where you made Becky look terrible. And by the way, there are multiple people within the company who thought what they did at SummerSlam was wrong. Multiple mm-hmm people within the company thought that was wrong. And so you did that. You created a situation where you made her look weak. And it's it's one thing to do that and you delay the rematch, you know, and Becky get or uh, Bianca gets the win back and then you build. But they've gone back to it now already multiple times, right? Yeah. They were in that three-way at Crown Jewel. I know uh, Bianca didn't get pinned in that, right? It was Sasha got pinned. Mm-hmm. And then, but she got pinned last night. What do you do? I mean, Becky and Liv Morgan is going to die a horrible death on Raw. Oh, and you've God. got these split rosters. You talk about loss of momentum. Here's the issue. And it, it, it stems back to the hideous brand split. There's just not, if you're going to do a detour with Bianca and she's not going to be working with Becky for the foreseeable future, she's going to, you know, get her mojo back or whatever. What compelling stuff is she going to do on a with a split brand? There's not enough interesting people for her to work with when you divide the women's division in two. Yeah. And what did, what did everybody say when SummerSlam happened and Becky made Bianca look like a dope and beat her so fast? Everybody said, don't overreact. Let it play out. And I think we said at the time... We, how we cannot give the company the benefit of the doubt that they're going to let it play out and that it's going to be any good because as Derek said in our chat a minute ago, say it with me now, no long-term storytelling. The company doesn't know how to tell long-term stories anymore until they show me that they can do it. I'm never going to have faith that they're going to do right by these characters. And with Bianca Belair, like why should you believe that she can come out of this you know, even the champion again after what's happened. I mean, of course, she's going to get the title back. But like, if you believe that this is, you know, you're a kid, you're watching this, you think it's is legitimate she? or whatever, I, eventually she'll be a world champion again. But how how could you even believe in her at this point? And especially if you're like kind of one of these people who really liked Becky and then you'd warmed up to Bianca and then you're like trying to decide who you want to cheer for. Like, why would you cheer for Bianca Belair right now? <laughs> you know, she clearly, isn't... she's very secondary to Becky Lynch. They've. This is there's a lot of issues with how they push Bianca Belair. Obviously, they did okay with her in the aftermath of WrestleMania, but they made they made errors right away. The day of WrestleMania, 
and the day after WrestleMania, and for like a week after WrestleMania. This might seem minor to people, but it's not because she could have made a lot of money. They had like no merch for Bianca Belair. And I know this because my little girls were getting really into Bianca Belair. We watched that match on Mania, and they wanted me to buy them a t-shirt. I go on a WWE shop. The woman who just had arguably the greatest moment of WrestleMania this year had like two shirts, and they were ones that had been out for a long time, and they weren't good. They should have had like a whole page of merchandise for her, knowing how WrestleMania was going to go, right? They did. How much How much merchandise sales did she miss out on the week of WrestleMania? I mean, that cost her money in the pocketbook. So right there, they didn't do right by her. They didn't do right by her at SummerSlam, and they haven't done right by her everything that's happened since SummerSlam. So I, I don't know. And again, with the, you know, she's going to come secondary if they have Becky work Charlotte at Survivor Series. You know, and I just don't know yeah. what you do with her. I mean, that's a big thing. I'm going to, you know, on both brands, man. Oof. This television between Survivor Series and this day one pay-per-view. Hello. <laughs> it ain't good, is it, Kyle? <laughs> it's not good. Not good. It's not uh, fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> I did say that we're going to get into uh, the mailbag segment later, and we're going to hit a ton of topics. But Kyle, you told me off air that you had a question that I guess was only sent to you that related to this topic. Yeah, did, you did read that? Justin, did you ever find? I just wanted before we moved on the Becky thing. No, I'm still looking. I can't find it. Oh, okay, I'll let you um, know. Okay, all right, but yes. Yeah, so I don't know why this happens, Ryan. As we turn to the mailbag. <laughs> Every once in a while when we do these things, or it seems almost every time we do a mailbag, somebody sends me a question. We always tell them to send it to the Facebook page, send it to the uh, podcast email address. But sometimes I always get one. Uh, And it's always from the same guy. I I just don't understand it. But our good friend, Bruce in Connecticut, sent us the following question. (laughs) How come one week after new rosters went into effect, we seemingly have zero fresh matchups. <laughs> <sighs> Good question, Bruce. Bruce, do you say, I wonder if this Bruce says yes a lot. Maybe that's the issue. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe, he doesn't, I don't know. maybe he doesn't speak up. Maybe he but, doesn't have any fresh, fresh ideas himself. Yeah. But let's just talk about Raw in general. Okay. Obviously a gimmick question that we're going to use to further pile on last night's telecast. What are the big matchups you're looking forward to from the red brand between now and like Royal Rumble or, you know, getting to wrestle? They've got, dude, they've got Seth Rollins coming off a loss at in a Hell in a Cell match. Edge disappears after he wins that match. And Rollins wins a ladder match to get the next world title shot at Big E. Kevin Owens, who has one foot out the door is, you know, has been persona non grata. He's trying his hardest to be a top-of-the-card guy, but no one buys that he's sticking around. And then after that, what do you got? I mean, people were hailing this Raw show because it was just a simple wrestling show. Did it make you excited about the next couple weeks? I saw somebody, I'm not going to call him out, say, 
you know, uh, if it was 2003, I think Austin Theory would be seriously considered for evolution. Yeah, if they wanted evolution to suck. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, I've heard people compare to, like, Austin Theory to Randy Orton. But, he, you know, I mean, it would be laughable to say he's as good as Orton of, you know, like, today. But he's not even as good as Randy Orton of 2003. Austin Theory? They got this guy taking selfies pre-match. They're bringing back the Tyler Breeze gimmick. Raw? <sighs> and SmackDown's not much better. There's, I mean, they've got the Lesnar-Reigns thing they're going to go back to, but what between now and then? They just did a draft, guys. There's no fresh matchups. There's not one... Co- I mean, sure, there's something that hasn't been done, but there's nothing compelling what are the title matches going to be on this day one pay-per-view? What is day one-ish in the WWE right now? Could somebody please explain that to me? Big E and Seth Rollins? I mean, okay. Kyle, I mean, I know that you would your love that being be? from Iowa. Well, actually, I want to go down that road a little bit because I almost texted this to you last night and I was like, you know what? I'm going to save it for the show. Oh, no. <laughs> Justin and I, you know... Like Seth a lot as a wrestler. It was great to see his rise in 2015. And I thought he had a great run there. And to see an Iowan with the world championship was super cool. And something I always imagined. I hoped that I would see one day as a wrestling fan. Definitely six years ago. Dude, I got to say, man. Seth Rollins is go-away heat for me right now. The character is freaking awful. Like when he comes out on TV and he does that stupid little laugh. And it's the outfits and like. It's it's freaking horrible. Like just the way Raw ended with him and you know the title shot. It's like I I have no interest in seeing this. And it's unfortunate because I'm glad him and Becky are, you know, they got a great baby girl. They're very happy together and stuff. But ever since they associated Becky with Seth on television, she went downhill. Remember? <laughs> Remember when they started, like, we said it on the show at the time, like, keep Becky away from her on TV. Everyone knows it's a real-life thing. We don't need to see it on TV. And it, like, took her down a level when they put her with Seth on TV. And ever since then, of course, she was still very popular, but the character wasn't as interesting. And Seth, man, he has just... Ever since, you know, they turned it back face and when they added Burn It Down, the crowd would get into the theme song. And that worked for a while. And he actually did build up... A pretty good little baby face run there, but then ever since they turned him again, he's been dreadful. Just awful. I have yeah. zero interest in this. Yeah. And Kyle, what would you say if Seth Rollins beat Big E for the title oh, so that it could be Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns at Survivor Series? What would your reaction be? God help us all. You can't do that. Man. Yeah, I mean, you can't cut Big E off at the knees like that. I, I you know, when you talk about the dearth of contenders. I mentioned it on the Crown Jewel recap. I'm pretty positive they're doing Biggie and Goldberg at the Rumble. Because they don't have anyone else. Who the hell on Raw is going to get the Royal Rumble slot if it's not Seth Rollins? Who, there is no way they can delay that match between now and the Rumble. I mean, they could do it 62 times. But... They probably will. Yeah, I mean, I guess there's that route. God help the track us. record. I mean, who was on Raw? I mean, fuck, T-Bar? I mean, you know? <laughs> and that's another thing, too. They have these secondary champions. There's no contenders for them. Who's Damian Priest going to work against? 
They need to get rid of this brand split yesterday. Anyone who still sticks up for the brand split in 2021 is an absolute maroon. I agree. We have a much stronger show without it. They don't need to do it anymore. It pisses off the networks. Yeah. Dynamic with USA and Fox now. It's not good for anybody. Like theoretically, if it was done well, could you create more stars? Yes. But the company, you know, they really have never been able to do it well. It Let worked me look for a at- little bit early on, but overall, I mean early on as in almost 20 years ago, but overall, no, it has not worked. And it would be the shows would be so much more intriguing without the brand split. I yeah. I'm completely over it. Okay, well, let's look at last night's raw results. Uh, we had the Becky Bianca thing open the show. Austin Theory beat Rey Mysterio by DQ. Uh, we had the Seth Rollins, Big E, Kevin Owens segment. I mean, again, last week, I, I want to go back. This was like a just dreadful sign to me. The first Raw after Crown Jewel and their hype of the season premiere, whatever that bullshit is, they have four people come out, none of whom won on the previous pay-per-view, all stating their case why they should be the next contender. Like, hand-waving results away. It was like, it was who? Rollins, Ray, Owens. Finn? And it was and Finn, yeah, Finn. Another guy who had lost mm-hmm. a few days before. So you had two losers and two guys that weren't on the pay-per-view all saying, I'm up next. No guy off a big win. Let me keep going through this. Let's see here. Uh, Queen Zelina and Carmella beat Rhea Ripley and your girl Nikki Ash in a non-title match, because of course. Uh, Finn Balor beat Chad Gable. Uh, It was okay for a short sprint, but come on. Okay, your boy Shorty G ain't going anywhere. And Finn Balor, I don't know what you do. I mean, they probably should turn him heel because Mm -hmm. they just need people. And I mean, the demon mystique got killed at that last pay-per-view. The dirty... Why? Because he fell off the top rope? That that kills a demon gimmick? <laughs> you want to see the demon again? No, I was being sarcastic, but yeah. oh, okay. I, was like, okay. I saw I was the like, sarcasm no. coming through. Okay. I, so I was I was I clicked back. I only heard the noise. I wasn't looking at the screen because I was reading these results. Uh, <laughs> the dirty dogs uh beat the street profits. Uh but you talk about a team that has lost momentum. Oh. How about the street profits? We're mm-hmm. losing to the dirty dogs. Damian Priest beats T Bar. Big E beats Kevin Owens. I don't Lashley and Edge, I guess, are just whatever. But can you go back to Big E and Lashley? You've kind of killed off that program. Big E and Edge. I don't know if that makes sense. What show is Bearcat on now? Is he on SmackDown? <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, Bearcat. Which, do you know what's sad is? I don't know. Bearcat Keith Lee. Let's I thought he was on what, Raw. I kind of think he was too. I, I feel like I see the... Um, do I mean, he... if we don't even know what show he's on, then he's probably not really in right? the conversation for a <laughs> he per- main he event. Perfor- yeah, he performs on the Raw brand. You laugh. I mean, they may have to heat him up for a show. I mean, they got nothing. Thought... They got all this TV, and they got nothing, man. Dude, it seems like they KO might be going heel, full on heel. Well, they're just uh, yeah, going to chop might... him out till he leaves. Yeah, because well, he doesn't have much time left. I think everybody expects him to leave, but yeah. Um, I could see that happening. So, quick question. We'll see, but, yeah, this is a complete departure from our current topic, but uh, also in the news this week, AEW may have 
uh, in the well, it not may have it, it, it all, but it assuredly has in the works. Their first quarterly special could be called Battle of the Belts. Our friend Andrew Zarian broke that early mm-hmm. January. Is that where you would debut Kevin Owens, assuming he jumps? Kevin Steen, as he would be called. Obviously. I don't. I thought. I don't think his contract's up until the end of January, right? Oh, it's not till the end of January. I thought it was the uh, end yeah, of December. Yeah, like twenty second okay. or something like that. Okay. Well, then there goes that idea. Is twenty second the day of of the show? The special. Is right. I no, I think it was like, like the, the ninth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Or, I thought yeah, it was, it was early. Um, Kyle, I wanted to tell you that Gabe in the chat, patron of the show, he liked your uh, Bruce in Connecticut reference. He said that was nice, Polly. <laughs> so. Yes, like in the throwback for, for those, WWF people, Livewire. Yep. Yes, for people who do not know the history of Bruce from Connecticut, <laughs> when WWE did a Livewire show, Paul E. once called Paul Heyman once called into the show as Bruce from Connecticut to talk to Vince McMahon, and it was one of the better moments of live television of that era. And I think I've told this story in the pod before, but I'll retell it now. I was running the board for a UFC podcast once upon a time. This was like 15 years ago. And we had Dana White on the show. And there was like this second where there was no one queued up next to going. And the host did not want to be embarrassed and like have no one to go to on the on the lines. So my co-host of the wrestling show at the time was standing right next to me. I was like, dude, just, you know, call and pretend to be somebody. And he's like, well, who should I be? I'm like, fuck it. Just say you're Bruce from Connecticut. <laughs> and, <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's awesome. So Bruce from Connecticut talked to Dana White. <laughs> hey, let's uh let's go into this next topic. And this is kind of getting into what you just, you know, we're talking about going into the new year. Uh WWE announced their 2022 pay-per-view calendar. I'm gonna put it up here on the screen. Yeah, and, Justin, uh, you are right. Expires in January twenty-two. According to this was at least as of two months ago, Kevin Owens contract. Yeah, that's what they said. So WWE is not doing a December pay-per-view. Of course, AEW won't have a December pay-per-view because they only run quarterly. After uh, full gear here in a week and a half, they won't have one until February with uh, Revolution. So WWE is running that January 1st pay-per-view day one rather than having a December pay-per-view in Atlanta. And then that will take us into the Royal Rumble at the end of the month, month, which will be at the Dome in St. Louis, the former home of the Rams. And uh, after the Rumble, they will not have a show until WrestleMania. No well, February pay-per-view. Well, there's February's TBA. It's a, I think they they anticipate that being Saudi Arabia. Oh, is Arabia, it? Though. I, yeah. I, have the, uh, I have the official release from WWE on the screen here. So they do not list TBA at all. It, well, they just in, show January in our April. show notes, yeah, our show notes, though. Which you, which I had I the, uh, you yeah, yes. yeah. I couldn't share that one, unfortunately. That was from a different report. But yeah, February TBA. Isn't that... People are expecting, is that the one that's expected to be Saudi Arabia or is it May? No, well, February. May is Providence. February, yeah, February and October are expected to be Saudi Arabia, neither of which yes. were listed okay. on this WWE release. Yeah. So, yeah, we're probably going to get the Saudi show, but not like a, a pay-per-view proper, really, between the Rumble and WrestleMania, which uh, I think I, I think that's a good thing. Would you guys yes, agree? A, there, there's no need to do two pay-per-views between Rumble and WrestleMania, like fast lane hit the frame those in there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I know it's been in Cleveland a couple times. That sticks. That, look, can I ask an honest question? February yes. has typically been the Elimination Chamber pay per view. You can't do the Elimination Chamber in Saudi Arabia. Oh, no. Let's not go down this road. 
That would not be good. I mean, you can't be like live from Saudi Arabia. Well, I mean, I remember you told Elimination Chamber. You told you you told on the show before that the Elimination Chamber has a different name in another country because of the. Yes, in Germany, it does. Yeah, because of the name. So I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, that would be bad optics. I think. Yeah. So. Well, this this pay per view calendar. So then, looking at that, um, we know that Money in the Bank is actually going to be a stadium show in July in Las Vegas. So they're returning once again. SummerSlam was there last year. This summer, this coming summer, to Vegas for Money in the Bank. We know there's going to be a June pay per view in Chicago. I m- mentioned before a May pay per view in Providence, uh, and they run SummerSlam at the stadium in Nashville where the Titans play, and then. Um, They've got the September pay-per-view, which I believe is going to be in the UK, correct? And, the, yeah, and that's the big news. I think that that's the same weekend as AEW traditionally runs all out. Yep. And uh, then the only other show they have officially announced is Survivor Series in Boston in November. So, we, yeah, we think there's going to be an October pay-per-view too, but they haven't announced it. But I guess... Yeah, what in, I wanted again, to, yeah in Saudi, yeah. Yeah, so... What I wanted to bring in here was a question we got, and I said, you know, we're going to get to the mailbag segment officially, but this one tied in really well with the with the pay-per-view discussion here is our friend Gabe sent in a question. He said, change my mind. Uh, he doesn't like the two-night WrestleMania format. And so he wants to know, like, what do we think? Are two nights better than one night? Can we change his mind that this is the way to go? Because Gabe prefers the one-night WrestleMania. And it looks like this is the change they're going to make, you know, for the foreseeable future. So, Justin Joint, your thoughts on this? The problem is not that it's it's two nights. It's that it's so long. If WrestleMania was two nights, three hours each, nobody would have a problem with it. Anybody who goes to, I would say the majority of wrestling fans who go to WrestleMania, that WrestleMania weekend are probably attending a bunch of wrestling shows. So who would be opposed to two solid three-hour uh, pay-per-view shows? The, two nights isn't the problem. It's having two nights of four to five hours each. It was like three hours this year, wasn't it, with the two nights? Uh, Weren't they about three hours? Maybe a little I bit over? I think it was a little closer. Yeah, I think it was closer. Yeah. I, I agree with you. The runtime is a big problem. You know, we've yes, talked about on the show going to mania and sitting in the in the superdome for god how many hours were we there justin kyle seven hours or something it like was that a long time um i you know personally i'm with gabe i like a one night wrestlemania and to have the show be tighter do like a one night four hour wrestlemania max have it be eight matches you know, kind of like they did at 30 and 31, and that's that. I know that they had this theory basically ever since then that they want to get everybody on the show. I don't see it that way. I see it, you know, WrestleMania is the number one show. Not everybody plays in the Super Bowl. Not everyone plays in the NBA Finals. Not everyone's going to be on the show. I'm sorry. It's WrestleMania. It's a special deal. You know, maybe next year you'll be on the show. I don't think you have to get every... I think that's a big problem is that they play this out now where every single person has to get on the show. I think, Justin, you've said before here on the pod that you know this was the wasted opportunity with like the Andre Battle Royal. Yep. They wanted to get I'm everyone on the show. I'm about to repeat myself. Yep. If they want to get everyone on the show, make that be a special deal and then that's a way to do it, but they, you know, that didn't work give, out great. Give that winner a title shot. Make it important. Right. Yeah. So, or, or bring back Money in the Bank. You know, the whole like, mm-hmm. I've got to get on. The, you know, I know it's a separate pay-per-view now and whatever and it's never going back but the whole concept of i've got to get on the wrestlemania card 
fit in really well with Money in the Bank, right? Because it was sort of six random spots. You qualify, and then you get the contract, and there's stakes involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I guess, you know, as presently constructed and the way that they're booking the show for the foreseeable future, two nights is the best option rather than doing a seven-hour show. Um, but I would prefer it was one night with eight eight to nine matches and a four-hour show, but it just it doesn't seem like they're ever going to go back to that, even though it wasn't that many years ago that they were doing it. So if they're going to keep putting everyone on the show, I just, just run time-wise, it was the best option. You know, it seemed to work pretty well last year. Uh, if you're going to WrestleMania weekend, though, I don't know about going to both nights, you know, like it's just a lot to go to the stadium and leave and go back to the stadium. It's it's a lot if you're traveling in. I know people are going to do it and stuff and and buying two different tickets or trying to decide which event to go to. It's problematic. What do you, what do you think, Kyle? Well, this will be the first year they're doing it where they're going to have a full house both nights, yeah. right? I mean, this past year they they it was limited capacity in Tampa. Look, the format they were using from WrestleMania 32 through 35 was untenable. The one long six-plus-hour marathon show. Every single one of those years, or it was 32 through 35, pardon me, mm-hmm. people were dead for those main events, man. And you don't want your crowd to be dead for the main events. I do completely agree with Justin that, okay, so you're like, well, one super long show is no good, so we'll just do two four-hour shows. That's still too much. That's actually more time. That's like eight hours then. So it's like, yes, it's split up over two nights. Uh, so so that's what I, I'm with you. In a perfect world, WrestleMania would ha- not exceed four hours and it would be one night. And it would just be all big matches. The, the whole thing with we got to get everyone on the card it's so they've got all these people who don't matter, and then they bring back legends. They screw themselves over. It's not mm-hmm. my fault that you have to bring back legends because 80% of your roster isn't over, and then you feel bad and want to give them a slot. Doesn't that make the people who don't make the show that much hungrier? And maybe they would try harder to get on the show the following year if you didn't well, just mean, give everybody a spot. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not necessarily, you know, up to, but you're right that with the Andre concept, if you're not going to do Money in the Bank on the show, you're right. Andre was the way to do it, and you just have stakes, but it took him, what, two years to make that Andre thing just a total job or battle royal that didn't matter? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like the first year, they kind of made it seem important, but it wasn't. So, um, to answer Gabe's question, I, I don't know if two nights are better than one, but you know what's interesting? I could sit those first couple days at the NCAA tournament, or just on an NFL Sunday, for that matter. I could just sit on the, that couch right over there, okay, from 1 p.m. Eastern kickoff all the way through the 4 p.m. games and not get bored at all. Why can I not do that with wrestling? Clearly, you're I, not watching the Chicago Bears, Kyle Ross. No, I mean, well, to the point there's multiple, I mean. <laughs> then you might be getting bored. Yeah, I mean. Sorry, I, I, I also, no, no, I also don't watch just one game. I have multiple yeah, I games on at once. So I guess that keeps me engaged. Um, But but I think it's odd. I was thinking about this when I saw the question <laughs> earlier in the show, that it's weird that, like, there are things that I can regularly watch six hours of, but is it, honestly, the, the easy answer, right? WWE is just not very good, you know, to your point about the Bears. You can't watch so, the Bears for three hours. WWE's you, not very good. 
Do you think you could watch six straight hours of an AEW show? That would, I guess, be, or like, you know, like, I mean, with like the Wrestle Kingdoms and whatnot, I start getting a little fidgety. I couldn't. I mean, we've talked about um, AEW pay-per-views going too long, too, where they yes, try to cram too much into there. I mean, we've had that criticism of the show. I don't I don't think I could, to be honest with yeah. you. I think it's just too long for a wrestling show. I mean, I get, you're right. Personally. If you wanted, yeah, two nights, three, because there's just certain realities, if they did two tight three-hour shows... That would certainly be preferable to one six-hour show, right? Yes. Based on everything we just said yes. moments ago. Okay. So yeah, perfect, I, I, wor- perfect world. Just Sorry, just it's one four-hour show would be best. But two, three hours is doable. I was just going to go back to what you we were talking about a minute ago with uh, being able to watch like sports, you know, for like 10 straight hours. It's, it's because you're getting different matchups, things are changing. Um, you know, like me, I could watch two, three movies in a row. Uh, but it's just watching the same company in one shot. Like you could probably do, you know, a, a two and a half WWE show and then like a two and a half hour AEW show. It's just, you need a something that's a little bit different than, you know, the, the same production and same stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean there there hasn't really been a great WrestleMania since the marathon format, whether it's been two days or just one long day, right? I mean, the last great WrestleMania, I think most people would say would be 31, which was one night sub four hours. Yep. Agreed. Uh, let's see. Hey, um, we, we, we talked a lot about this stuff to the pay-per-view calendar on the Facebook page. People could check that out. You know, like d- does elimination chamber make it to 2022? What, what are those May and June pay-per-views going to be? You know, I think the extreme rules concept should be thrown to the wolves. Mm-hmm. Um, they may go with WrestleMania backlash again, because they can use the WrestleMania name. That would have to be the May show. Uh, but when they do eliminate, would they do Elimination Chamber and Money in the Bank back to back? That's not good. No, it isn't. They should. Like it's it's two multi-person match pay-per-views in a row. So yeah, I'm looking at the Chicago one in June. I don't know what that's gonna be. I personally I think they need to bring back pay-per-views themed around flaming testicles. Yes. I mean that's great balls of fire. Opinion. Yeah. <laughs> bring it back, baby. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, I do like that they kind of condensed it here at the beginning of the year. I do think that that's positive. Uh, we'll have to see how the rest of your plays well, out, though. Yeah, is the the death of themed pay per views is a good thing. That is something I would give them credit for, and I guess it kind of leads me to um something I wanted to talk about too with this calendar. Um, it's true for next year. It's true for this year. There's no pay per views in December. At all now, which is good. I mean, I think the the whole one pay-per-view every month thing was dying a horrible death and was just not needed anymore. Mm-hmm. So no pay-per-views in December. Uh, anything special you're planning on then watching that month? You'll have a little extra time or no AEW pay-per-view, no WWE pay-per-view. And when was the last time we had a month without a wrestling pay-per-view? Oh, <sighs> man. I'm sure you looked it up. 
I'm not sure. So I kind of started thinking about it, and I went back to the In Your House. I was like, all right, In Your House was May of 95. But so I was like, okay, April 95. But WrestleMania was, I think, April of that year in 95. And then you had like WCW pay-per-views. I was going back. I thought it was, I had gotten all the way back. You could see, I was getting so excited thinking about it to myself. I'm sure you guys could imagine. I had gotten all the way back to March of 93 was the last time there had not, I had thought there was no WCW or WWF pay-per-view. Wow. But then wow. remember WrestleMania goes back and forth. Sometimes it's in March. Sometimes it's in April. Mm-hmm. So there have probably been some marches from WWF where there was no pay-per-view in like the 2000s. But was there a TNA pay-per-view in those marches? Mm. Well, that's trying to remember that's where a, it was. That's kind of the thing about saying there's not going to be a December pay-per-view when you got Final Battle sitting there. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess traditional pay-per-view. Yeah, I, well, I guess, I mean, the wow, network rude. isn't either. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, what well, was who knows? March maybe, maybe, I can't remember. Maybe it is. Well, I mean, in recent years, they did it. Like I said, they had Elimination Chamber. They had Fastlane and stuff. But there were, like, I don't think there was a pay-per-view, I bet, in... I'm trying to think, like, WrestleMania's, like, in the aughts. Mm-hmm. Like, which one do I know was in April? Like, the 2005s, 2006s, 2007s of the world? I bet. I bet you... 2006 was, was, I'm pretty sure. Was it in March April. or April? April. Okay. Yeah. So there probably wasn't one in March because they were still doing brand only back then. Yeah. So they would have been gone February. And because it, it's an early April and backlash was would usually then be at the end of April. So yeah. yeah. So if there's no TNA pay-per-views in March of those years, then that would be the answer. I'm trying to think TNA. Let me look it up here. TNA pay-per-view history. God, not something you Google every day. Oh, (laughs) okay. So they had one in March of two. They had March. Oh my God. Oh my God. I forgot TNA was running pay-per-views like every month. Yeah. I forgot they were running pay-per-views every month, guys. (laughs) Blocked it out. Yeah, so I, I don't I, know. Maybe maybe it's Mar- I mean, yeah, I mean, excluding Final Battle, no disrespect. Maybe you have to go all the way back to March of '93. I can't say for December there's anything special I'm planning on watching. Uh, pro- you know, whatever Top Rope Nation classics that we're preparing for in December. Good answer. But I mean, outside of that, I'll probably watch as much old school wrestling. You know, I'll be going on the holiday break from work and stuff, so have a little extra time. Probably just dip it in the archives. To be honest with you, watch it old wrestling, which is what I most enjoy watching these days outside of AEW. So mm-hmm. what about you, Kyle? Uh, I started watching that 1984 MSG stuff. I've been a little oh, yeah. under the weather as people could hear the last. So I finally got watched the February and March shows. I'm a big fan of Roddy Piper and Dr. D David Schultz. That's a team, man. They have a match against the invaders in February. Wardlow and MJF need to rip that match off and modernize it. And do it on dynamite. <laughs> oh man! So, if 
funny you should mention David Schultz because friend of the pod, Ryan Huffman, just met David Schultz at an autograph signing like last oh. weekend, I think. Yeah. Wow. Send me a picture with him down in near St. Louis. Hope he didn't get slapped. Yeah, I don't think so. I'll have to ask him. <laughs> Let's, uh, should we get to this mailbag segment? Let's do it. Can, Let's, can, can, hey, real quick, yeah. before we get, I, I, I found that Becky, uh, where she said, Oh, the was, quote from earlier? Okay. Yeah. It, uh, it was an interview with your boy, Ray, Ryan Satine. Uh, she says, You're always thinking of, oh, what would be cool? What would be interesting? What would get under people's skin? I was always thinking of what it would be like. She's talking about when she came back. What would my comeback be like? What would I do when I came back? Vince is never going to want me as a heel. So what does this new baby face look like? And then they told me I was going to be a heel. And she said it was very, it was very last minute in that it was basically because they wanted to put her up against Bel Air and, and it didn't, they didn't want to do baby face versus baby face. To me, that doesn't sound like she didn't pitch it. Because the way she, I don't know, I think I feel like she's being careful with her words. Because it kind of sounds like she was pitching it, but then they, she didn't think they would go with it. And That's then they true. told her she was going to be a heel. I, I, don't know, what don't, I just don't believe anything on Ryan Satin's Out of Character podcast. A hideous show. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. Mailbag segment. I said this earlier. Uh, we'll do these a little more regular. We used to do them every few weeks. It's been a while. But if you have a mailbag question, of course, again, one more time. Send it to us. You can email the questions to topropenation at gmail.com. If we read it on the air, I'll send you a free sticker in the mail. Here's the first one. This comes from good friend of the pod, Aaron Graham. He says, what is the best wrestler for a Halloween costume? And I know where he got this idea because I had just posted a picture from my own Halloween outing where I dressed up as Penta. Which you're going to see on the stream. There I am the other night. Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) Although, I'll tell you what, man. Look at Yeah, I've been lifting. You can tell. I am not the only one on this podcast who has dressed up as a wrestler for Halloween. Oh, there we go. The legend. That's Brian with you as Piper, isn't it? Kyle's the macho man. (laughs) We had a big group that year. Everybody went as a wrestler. Justin, I don't know if you've ever dressed up as a wrestler. I knew that that picture Hawk. of Kyle was on Facebook. Hawk? As a kid, I, I it was really cold one Halloween, and uh, I happened to have like a red and black kind of stripish jacket. So I threw out that on and had my mom paint on uh, Hawk's face paint. That's awesome. Dude, wrestlers are just like the perfect thing to do for Halloween. Actually, as we got in the car, you know, take my kids to the relative's house, trick-or-treating, um, wearing that full penta get up and I looked at my wife and I said imagine not loving professional wrestling (laughs) it is the the perfect I mean I try to do it every year wrestler I've done macho man numerous times macho is a great one to do on I got to start planning next year's macho was the first name that popped in my head when I saw that question yeah I mean like there I remember a lot of people doing sting like the crow sting at one point in time I've seen people doing DiBiase before Hulk you know a lot of people do Hulk I think um, Demon Finn is pretty popular. Yeah. Yep. That's a cool one if you can pull it off. So, yeah. I'm going to look for you, Justin, next year. I'll paint it up out there in your briefs. That's what I want to see. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I think I love being wrestlers for Halloween. I think it, it, it's great. So, and those are some of the best ones, I think. And, and what we have done in the past. Um, let's see. Okay, this was a really good one sent in. Uh, patron of the show. This is Niall Clark. 
Let me just read the actual email. I got the summary up on the screen right now. But he said, how would you rank the following eras in WWE from worst to best? Oof. Okay. So, and then, so this gets into, you've got the golden era, which would be like the 80s into the early 90s. You got the new generation era, mid 90s. You got the attitude era, late 90s into early 2000s, ruthless aggression. You got the PG era, and you've got current. So if you're going to rank those eras, how would you rank them worst to best or best to worst? You know, and then... I think on the Facebook page, we got into this discussion of, you know, where does the Attitude Era start? Yep. Or there's, I think for all these eras, you could make an argument yeah. when they start. I mean, the Golden Era clearly begins with Hulk Hogan winning the title. Yes. The beginning of 1984. But when does it end? Does it end when he stops being full-time in 92? I, I think it's when Brett starts taking over. When, okay. they start, you know, the maybe a, around the steroid stuff. Yeah. So, so like 84 to 92, you're saying because like 90 and ni- the thing with that era is 90 and 91 would hold that down a little bit for me as albatrosses. Yeah. Like 84 to 89 is probably my favorite run of the company. But if you're inclu- including 90, 91 into 92, then all of a sudden it kind of tapers off a little bit. Yeah, I think, yeah, that's about right. It's, I'd say, personally, New Generation Era is, like, 93 to 97. Well, and Yeah, but the thing is, when I was up this, I think they didn't start saying New Generation until, like, 94. 93 yeah. and really 92 are oddball years. Cause but if you I have think to lump when, them in, yeah. I think it was when Brett won the title, mm-hmm. right? At, at Mania 10, Vince McMahon said, he kicks off a new generation. I think, frankly, you got to just go with when when Hogan exited the the company, though. Like when when Hogan still has a title run in '93, as brief as it was. I think you're right. '94, I think, is when they ran the commercials. New Generation. Yeah. Well, and they, uh, why were they doing that? Because they knew Hogan was going to the other channel. Yeah. Yeah. To me, the Attitude Era starts in '97. People will like kind of disagree on when. Personally, I would just kind of start from Mania 13. And when Raw, mm-hmm. you know, became around that time, and I think March became two hours, they went to Raw's War. To yeah. me, that's kind of like the start of the, of the Attitude Era. And it's like spring of 97. Would when you guys did it be? end? Yeah, I would. I'd say 02. A Ruthless Aggression was, is like 02. Yeah, yeah well, that's what I, I mean, think too. The interesting thing, again, is there's 01 is such a oddball year because it's the invasion and the peak is very much over. Like Austin's heel turn just, you know, was a killer. But you're right. Like, oh, two, when they went to the split brands and Vince McMahon said ruthless aggression is kind of the start. But so, like, oh, one is very much like feels kind of just a, a year into itself mm-hmm. post mania. For, for me, it's so closely tied to kind of the who the new stars are. Like, obviously, you said. 84 with Hogan uh, for why I think me and Ryan were kind of pointing to maybe 92 for new generation is because that is kind of the rise of Bret Hart with Shawn Michaels right behind him. And then, you know, with attitude era, you have Austin and the rock. And when you get to that kind of 2002, 2003, then you're looking at Brock Lesnar is in there followed by John Cena and Batista. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. For, for, for sure. 2002 is different. 
than like 2000. It's just kind of like, I guess, when you end it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it's, it's almost the like the invasion. It's, it's almost like you should forget the invasion era or the invasion happened. Right. Yeah. 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 When's the PG uh, era begin? Post Benoit. 2008. Well, 2008, they stopped bleeding because they, that's another tricky one because yeah. they were still bleeding in 2008, Michaels and Jericho. And when does it end? Like, because I think 2008 through 2010 and then 2011 through 13 are very different companies. There was like a mass exodus of people in 2010. Batista, mm-hmm. Michaels, Edge got hurt. I mean, he came back for a little bit in 11. Uh, Taker and Triple H stopped being full time. So that's, I mean, I think. I think most people see the height of Cena as the PG era, right? Like he was around in the Ruthless Aggression, but that was like more the rise of Cena. Like the height of Cena's reign and run as world champions kind of like that exemplifies the PG era for a lot of people. And But then like this is where it gets really murky because the product even today just doesn't feel much different than, you know. Yeah, I mean, when did did the current era begin? Was it the WWE Network? That's what I was going to say, yeah. The Probably. the network, I think. I, it's just or different. or you could even say when, whenever the hell they went to three hours with rocks, that's when it started getting monotonous. That was yeah. twelve, I think. Twelve. Yeah. Sorry, well, we should answer the question, I suppose. So, <laughs> one, how would you rank these? Like, what's your favorite? Then kind of go down the line. Kyle, you've probably thought about this like a hundred times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to me, there's a pretty big dividing line between two of them and everything else, and I don't mean to be boring. But yeah. the golden era and the attitude era are just simply much better than all the other eras. And I'll actually turn some heads and say new generation might be number three for me. Was it successful financially? Nope. But I re- when I go back and watch that era, I respect how they tried new things, even if they fail. And I'm, as you guys know, doing the survivor series write-ups on the Facebook thing. Right. And I'm starting to work. Uh, I've already gotten the first 10. I wrote the first 10 up a long time ago and we're posting those now. And I'm starting to the two thousands, dude, these write-ups take a noticeably negative turn in the two thousands and never stop being negative. Like hmm. there, uh, like, I'm just going to just not lie. Like over the last 20 years, there are very few survivor series that I am giving glowing recommendations to. Like two, three tops in the last 20 years. So I feel the PG era was like my nadir of watching the product. Like, so I want like 2008 to 2010, I was kind of tuned out. That's the only time when I just was not watching regularly. And I don't have a real strong desire to go back and watch it. So maybe, yeah. but the last couple of years have been terrible too. Adam asked in the chat, um, when did WWE go public and if that would factor in? And that's that's a great question. WWE went public in the fall of 99, so right at the height of the Attitude Era. Yeah, yeah, you, but the fall-off didn't happen. I mean, they actually got quite good right after that again, after yeah. kind of a, a sorry 99, so. Yeah, so, so you're saying, I would actually agree, my top three are definitely the classic period, the golden era, Attitude Era, and New Generation. Um I'd go back and forth between Attitude Era and, and the Golden Era as my number one. 
Um, there were things that I liked more about one than the other. Yeah, those are but, like one A and one B for me, for sure. And then I would I would also go new generation era. You know, people always say, and this is probably true across the board, people like the wrestling they grew up with the best. You're mm-hmm. always biased towards the wrestling that you grew up with. So like, you know, if I was 25 years old watching the new generation era, probably wouldn't, you know, but like a lot of my favorite wrestlers growing up, like that was the prime of their career. Bret Hart, of course, Shawn Michaels. So I, to me, those three, and then I would agree with Kyle, PG eras is a pretty huge fall off for me. Uh, Ruthless aggression had its had its moments. That's going to be four. That would be four for me, definitely. But, and then PG and current is just like, I, I I guess I'd take like the heyday of Cena over right now. So current era yeah, I mean, would be that's last. The, I mean, <laughs> like I'm thinking, like I mean, when was the last time you ever sat back and were like, you know what I want to do is watch the WWF of four years ago? Yeah. WWE. Like who ever <laughs> yeah. says that? Like I would never say that. And four years <laughs> I, ago, 2017. Yeah, I would go Attitude Era, Golden Era, New Generation Era, Ruthless Aggression, PG current based on those eras that he listed in that order from top to bottom what about you justin pretty similar uh attitude golden man in new generation is tough because i was not watching during a lot of it but there's a lot of good stuff especially when it comes to bret hart that i like to go back and take a look at Mm mm-hmm I like a lot of the matches from the Ruthless Aggression area, and uh, this could give me some trouble, but I really love that 2012 to 2015 time frame. I just don't know where where that fits into any kind of era. Um, that little time frame actually could be third or fourth for me. What what puts the Attitude Era over the top for me but with the Golden Era is that I'm factoring in 97, which I've said many times on the pods, my favorite year of wrestling. So like, and that's WWF. I loved 1997 WWF. So if that's part of the Attitude Era and not New Generation, then yeah, Attitude Era is number one for me, followed closely by Golden Era. Yeah, you make some good points though, Justin. I agree with some of that. It's tough. It's really tough to rank these. It is. I mean, it's just, it's also tough just defining them. I mean, this was yeah. a very tough question. I mean, this honestly, we could make a whole show about that, but we've got more questions. Yeah, but I mean, I not to be boring. I just think you. I just think it's really weird. Maybe if you're just younger, you wouldn't. But if if you're our age, you're gonna say it's either the golden era or the attitude era. Yeah. All right. Here's one. This is from another patron of the show, Tim Jensen. Gets shout outs occasionally. What wrestling things do you collect? And uh, and he joked, Kyle must collect Triple H memorabilia (laughs) in the group. Um, I don't know. Do you guys really collect anything outside of like tapes and video footage and stuff? No. I mean, I I know, Kyle, you have a lot of a big tape collection and stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, I I mean, yeah, I always was just dubbing tapes, getting stuff off eBay, whatnot, trading. But yeah, no, I've got a few, like five action figures over there, (laughs) like across the room. But that's pretty much it. That Survivor yeah, Series poster. I'm kind of in the same boat. Uh, I, I get a lot of wrestling shirts, but I can't really call that a collection because it's almost one in, one out with that stuff. Yeah, I'm definitely the most uh, the, the collector of the pod for sure. If you can't tell, you know, 
behind me here but Mm -hmm. yeah i collect old wrestling figures mostly hasbros a little bit wcw galoobs and i've got like some jacks from when i was a teenager that i picked up here in there early teenager but for me it's it's old wrestling figures i got some uh remco's that aaron graham friend of the pod sent me and that's kind of something i might go down i got i got a few ljn's as well and uh i'm not like a collector but i've got i've got a few title belts that i like and that are in the case behind me um i wouldn't say i collect them because i don't have a lot of them but i wanted like the belts from the period i grew up liking the most like we just talked about so you know i got the winged eagle and the the classic icy belt back there and stuff but uh they're almost like art pieces you know i don't wear them to shows or anything like that but i like i like having them on display so i guess those but definitely the I collect the uh, the figures, the old school figures, for sure. There's quite a private chat going on here in the in the studio. I'm like <laughs> seeing the thing flashing at the bottom of the screen. My God! All right, so we're gonna hit the Survivor Series question. We might have to say we're going pretty long. We might have to save some of the rest of these for. Oh, those other ones I think could be pretty quick. Let's do it. Uh, Come the on. Survivor Series question for Michael Jenkinson. All right, let me read this. So he says, how would you fix, and also Michael's a patron of the show, how would you fix Survivor Series? I like the traditional elimination match structure. Is there a way to keep that match style relevant while making the pay-per-view feel important? He says, Raw versus SmackDown concept is dumb. We can all agree. And also, I want to mention, Michael is going to be on the pod in January. We're planning this. He's coming on for a very special Royal Rumble show that he and I have been planning. So you can look forward to hearing Michael on Top Rope Nation here in a couple of months. But what, what do we think about the Survivor Series question? Oh my God. Um, look forward to hanging out with you and podcasting with you, Michael. Uh, I'm actually going to surprise you. I don't think Raw versus SmackDown is inherently a bad concept. I think the way it's done is atrocious. Go back and look. 2016. I'll make the argument, the main event of that show, or actually wasn't the main event, the main event was Goldberg and Lesnar, but the Raw vs. SmackDown match on Survivor Series 2016, I think is the best elimination match in history of the Survivor Series. Uh, I think 2005, it worked and actually led to a bit of an increase over previous years when they did Raw. That was the first time they did Raw versus SmackDown. It was the only time of the first brand split era. The problem is now... Everyone's been around for so long, been on both brands, and they do it in the shadow of a draft where no one is clearly defined as a Raw or SmackDown. You've got people mm-hmm. on Team Raw or Team SmackDown that were just drafted a month ago to the show. That is absolutely fucking anus. You can't do that. Um, so, I, I mean, <clears throat> Raw versus SmackDown is an idea that can work, but just not as it's presently construed. To make elimination matches work, and Michael, please check out the Facebook page. We'll be talking about this a lot with the Survivor Series history. It's pretty clear that early on, they just they didn't really know how to make them big time. Like the first one worked with Hogan and Andre as captains. You, you need it requires long term booking. You need you have to set something up. Like the easiest way is stakes. And that the, the, the few that have worked have had stakes. The Authority in 2014, Steve Austin as general manager in 03 was good. The Alliance WWE in 2001, okay, it wasn't what it should have been, but at least that had stakes. 
that's one way just to have them at. But I- I've always thought, and I'll be going through them again on the Facebook page, that it's a way to, if you've got a top-level feud, but you don't want to like blow it off yet by having those guys do a one-on-one match, you have them captains, and, and it leads to something. Right, like in the case of that first Survivor Series, it was the catalyst to get to the rematch in February from Hogan and Andre. Eighty-eight, it was Hogan's first attempt at revenge at the Big Boss Man after a major angle. That was the first time they were in the ring together. They just haven't had like a big, like, thing since then. Um. Well, it's the go ahead. It's a it's a gimmicked match that is shoehorned into the schedule. If you if you don't have long term booking and you don't have plans that are interesting going into it, then you're just throwing something together. And like you've already said, if there's no stakes, what's the point? Yeah, I mean, they tried grand finale once that didn't work. I think if you and maybe Justin it was you a few weeks ago who said this, but if you use Survivor Series and had a grand finale match and it was a instead of just the baby faces, the heels, it was like a battle royal or something, and the winner got a title shot. That would be an idea. Um, it didn't draw, but 93, and we'll get to this again on Facebook, cheap plug for the third time. Like, if you look at ninety, the 93 show, that was actually an instance of they knew where they were heading, and... It cut the, the moving pieces kind of work. So they had Lex Luger and his terrible feud with Ludwig Borga. Okay, we agree that stinks. But it was a way for Lex to also captain against Yokozuna when he couldn't challenge him for the title. He wins his other kind of secondary feud. And in that match, remember, they set up the Royal Rumble title match between Yoko and Taker, who are not feuding at all. So, like, there's things like that you could do where it's, you know, you have a two people who may not be feuding they start a feud within the confines of that match and that leads somewhere. There's lots Brett. of things you can do, but they just always have chosen the laziest way possible. It's where the Brett and Owen feud kicked off too. Yes. <laughs> I mean, there, there have been angles that, that they've done, mm-hmm. but they, they just, it's real lazy. They just think about protecting people and we don't want this guy to get pinned or look weak. So basically the answer is without long-term booking, you can't do it. Can't yep. make it. Meaning. You gotta have a, yep. if you gotta have a plan. You gotta have yeah. a plan, otherwise it's not gonna work. Especially, yeah. especially when it comes to these gimmicked uh, pay per views. And that's why they do it the way they do now because it doesn't require them to have long term planning. They can just pick any five schlubs from Raw against any five schlubs from SmackDown. All right, friend of the pod, Greg. Next topic here. All right, so he had asked if you could flip anybody from the brands. I think he was maybe referring to. Uh, the companies here. And by the way, also, Greg is also a patron of the show. So guys, if you're not a patron of the show, what are you doing? Because all of these people are patrons of the show. Um, Greg says, if there was one worker from each brand that you could flip to the other and they would flourish in the other company, who would they be? So I think what we're looking for is WWE to AEW and and so on. And maybe New Japan, if you want to throw it into one guy from each company that you could flip to the other where you think that they would really flourish. Who would it be? I thought about this. Yeah. And man, is there not a lot of people I want to see go to WWE? <laughs> I mean, who are some of the obvious answers? 
for that MJF. I think you got a. I think you got a. And for as for as much as we, you know, bashed uh, what's going on in the WWE women's division. I mean, some people from the women side, maybe just just so you could see like a a Britt Baker work against a Sasha Banks, work against a Becky Lynch. Like that would be I intriguing. I don't think I don't have. I have zero confidence they would put her I, at the top of the division. I I think it's guys that have already been there. CM Punk. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But who wants to see them go back? Basically? Nobody. <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying like, to answer I, the question. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking guys like okay, MJF, but I think they would take the edge off of him. Uh, people might say Brian Cage because his body, but you talk about Bearcat Keith Lee earlier. Okay, a different presentation, a different physique, but Keith Lee, what he brought to the table was a big man with a unique move set. They don't want big men to do unique moves, and Brian Cage is his whole appeal is he's a big muscle guy that does the moves you see on the indie scene. They would strip that away from him. I mean, pardon me. I, I got down to like powerhouse Hobbs. Lance Archer. Yeah. Like, but I don't think, but Lance don't you Archer think would like do someone much. like a Brit Brit Baker would have a better run? I think in she, WWE, there's, there's, I'm not saying better than AEW for sure, but like she could flourish. Like she could have some really good feuds. I mean, I you, you honestly wouldn't want to see Britt Baker work no. Sasha, she would, Becky, she would be, Charlotte, Bianca. No, because I don't want to see her lose to all four of them. <laughs> she would not. Be I don't a know top if I can five. agree, man. Like she would you, not be a to top pick. five. She would not be a top five woman in the WWE, and that's not because of her lack of talent. It's because of incompetent booking. I think the intrigue, though, from an intrigue perspective, to see her work that level of talent. I, I mean, no matter how the company is booked, there's a lot of super talented women's wrestlers. And in she would lose to all of them. And then they <laughs> would have her do for the some sake, really, they would have her do Isaac Yankum vignettes. But, dude, for the sake of the question, I think that Baker could have a pretty damn interesting run in WWE. Do I want to see her go there? No, I don't. I'm just saying, for the sake of the question, that it would it would be intriguing to see her work some of that talent. More, I would rather see if you're looking at prospective matches that you could do, and you could do Britt Baker versus all those people I just mentioned. That easily beats out any of these other names that we've talked about in the matches that they could do for me. Well, like, yeah, the bad, matches I would tune I, in to see. I just don't think she would be as big a star in WWE environment. No, probably not. That's fair for sure. But I mean, yeah, it's tough to go that direction. WWE, the other direction, is pretty easy. I mean, there's yeah, a lot like of everybody. Things. Yeah, it's the yeah. exact opposite. There's like about 27 people that I'd like to see go over there. Yeah. Okay. Give me your guys' uh, two. If you could pick any two to flip to AEW, who would it be? Did you see Greg's comment? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what we were <laughs> laughing about. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, he said, Mom, Dad, don't fight. For those of you listening to the pod, um, that's, easy. that's easy. Triple H. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really want to see Kevin Owens. I think it's going to happen. Kevin Owens is pretty high on my list. Uh, I assume you're probably going to say Cesaro, Justin. Yeah, Cesaro would be on mine. Um, Big e. I'm a, I, I, I like uh, Big E there. Um, obviously, I love Kyle Rouse's Triple H chaos pick there. Uh, Shane McMahon would actually be even better. <laughs> the name did read McMahon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think you, you, I mean, really, I'd probably want to go like, I mean, like a Charlotte or a Becky or a Sasha, like to really help 
pad out. You want to see them work, Britt Baker? Here we go. Yes, (laughs) yes, you're right. But we want to see them do it the AEW environment. (laughs) Like that's the like. You're right. You've got to answer to to do the question, whatever. But I would much rather instead of Britt jumping to WWE, I would much rather any of those women jump to AEW. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Put Sami Zayn's name on the list too. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Really, everyone in WWE except Dominic Mysterio and Austin Theory is an acceptable answer to this question. Oh. A fucking selfie? <laughs> oh, all right. And I guess we got one more question we oh, can get oh, to. Oh, hold on. And no fucking dewdrop either. No dewdrop. I, Did yeah, you hear her defending that. that nickname, by the way? Oh, she's grown to like it. Come on. Come on, Dewdrop. You don't really believe that. Like all right. Grown to love coughing all day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't want uh, Dolph Ziggler at AEW either. Adam Whoever's in the chat. In the chat. <laughs> yeah. No, we don't want Dolph Ziggler. All right. Last one. It's our good buddy, Brian, our official cameraman from our live show in Chicago. Brian did a great job in the hotel there in Hoffman Estates. Brian's question. Um, so... He says, does AEW have the ability to be a more successful version of WCW? If so, what would AEW need to do differently than WCW to be a promotion that will be around for many years? An obvious one that comes to mind so far is the programming schedule to avoid a Nitro versus Raw's war situation. Can two powerhouse professional wrestling promotions coexist long term and how? What do we think? Okay, there's a lot to unpack there. So um, can they be a more, I guess to condense it, can it be a more successful version of WCW? Can we have two powerhouse pro wrestling promotions? And I guess, you know, what do they need to do to, to make that happen? I, I think it, if you want to compare it to WCW, you know, you got the Punk and Danielson jumps. I, I think you'd almost need one more big one in a couple years to really, I mean, to really establish themselves on TV. Cause I don't understand anybody who loves wrestling and would rather watch raw or SmackDown and how they're getting more people watching it than AEW, which I think is a far superior product. Um, and that's because, you know, they've been around longer. They're, they're ingrained in people's lives. And if you give it a couple years for maybe people to start switching to AEW, you would need like a like a Roman Reigns or I don't know if Randy Orton really has the juice to move names, but it, you're, you'd be looking at like who who would be the Hogan or Nash and Hall, uh, a big established WWE name that would jump to AEW to really ignite this quote unquote war. Well, I think that's short term, and that would be. Good, and that's one way they could do it. I think getting a homegrown star that people haven't, and this is harder to catch on, is another way to do it. Um, In terms of becoming a more successful WCW, that's such a tricky question because remember, WCW and wrestling on TBS had been around in some incarnation for 40 years. So, like, you know, I've heard some of this Eric Bischoff. He, uh, yeah, okay, let me tell you something. His podcast ratings are down. 
And this guy's getting desperate, okay? He'll absolutely say anything to try to get his name. All right, he was falling out of the loop, and he's trying to attack AEW. This guy is as sad as it gets, Eric Bischoff, okay? More like jerk-off, okay? (laughs) But um, it was a Brian Pillman reference. (laughs) But... um, you know, so I mean, his comments just—I I don't put any stock in them. I, I think you know he doesn't even Cornette like acknowledged that the inherent advantage WCW had. I think what they need AEW needs to do to be viable long term and sustainable is avoid the mistakes WCW made. Yes, there's always the pie in the sky thing, you know, big stars competing with Vince. But I I think they need to be more careful not to make those mistakes. And to be quite frank with you, Tony Khan strikes me as a much smarter individual than Eric Bischoff. Mm -hmm. He is not someone, you know, Bischoff was so blinded by his love of Hulk Hogan that he just lost the plot. And he allowed himself to be worked and, you know, and, and the inmates to run the asylum. So Khan can't let the inmates run the asylum. He can't overspend. TV rights fees are huge, so that's going to be sustainable. And, you know, he does need, as Justin was saying, to hit that big angle or get that big star. Uh, But I think for a two-year run, they've done quite well. I mean, from a live event perspective, they're getting close to WCW, like in its heyday. I wouldn't... I wouldn't say they're quite there because I I remember like Nitro's oh yeah like selling out instantly and you know they're doing great crowds and we know like the pay per views are hot tickets and stuff and they probably could fill up a stadium in in some yeah. areas of the country. Um, they're not quite where WCW was in its heyday though. I mean those tickets moved really really fast, but uh, on a consistent basis. But yeah, I think I think they just need to continue what they're doing, build the long term yes. stories. I think mm-hmm. I think that the uh, the big stars, you know, the homegrown stars like Kyle was talking, I think they'll break through. They've only been around two years. I think it would help to get an established star to jump. Now they, and I'm talking like a next tier level star. So like to to look at the NWO comparison, I think you know with Punk and Brian coming over, that exceeds Hall and Nash um, mm-hmm. because those two were way more people were watching when they are on top versus Hall and Nash and WWF. But it, they're not Hulk Hogan. I think like about the only names on par with a Hulk Hogan they could get would be like a Brock or <laughs> to get an appearance out of the rock, to be honest with you. I don't see it happening. But then again, Dwayne Stone Johnson's Cold. Teflon. Stone Cold, of course. But like Dwayne Johnson's Teflon, man. Like if he did some appearances for AEW, and he's talked about AEW before on like Instagram Live and stuff. And I think he said he wishes them well. If he made some appearances for AEW, it's not like Vince McMahon would like cut him off forever. Vince would, you know, love to have Rock come back whenever, no matter what he does. So he is a guy that has so much power in entertainment that like he could do that and go back and it wouldn't matter. But like it would be huge for AEW, obviously. So like to have him come over and do some stuff for him, obviously Brock and something to that level, you know, John Cena. I don't don't know. Stone Cold. Yeah, of course. Outside of that, there's really not anything that would rival Hogan, though. That that would be tough. I I mean, keep doing what you're doing, I think, is a good lesson for now. Because Mm -hmm. situations like the NWO just don't fall into your lap, necessarily. That that was a unique set of circumstances. WWE, you look at the horizon, I don't see how it gets better moving forward. 
And, you know, AEW has hit their goal. To It's not as big as WCW was at its peak. It's not as big as WWE is right now. But to me, like, that they're getting in some of these, you know, newspapers and people are acknowledging their existence. Hey, there's a new game in town. This is the, like, you know, I've had buddies say, oh, you know, is this, this is like the biggest challenger WWE's had since WCW, right? And I'm like, yes, it is for sure. And I, I think just getting that, I mean, the Variety article clearly got to WWE and upset them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that's the strategy. Just keep doing what you're doing. Build your brand. Yeah. Don't worry about WWE because WWE is so stuck in its ways. It's not going to get better. Yeah. Um, Adam had a great point here in the chat I wanted to hit on. So he said, do you think expanding the audience would help? California used to be a big deal for wrestling. Selfishly, I wish AEW would yes. come to California for a show. So Adam's in the San Diego era area. I do think, you know, we know the Young Bucks, they're from California. They're going to hit the market. I think they had plans for that before the pandemic. That set them back and they're touring. Um, I would not be surprised at all if they ran, you know, we know they're doing um, Double or Nothing in Vegas. I guess that's the western part of the country. It's not on the coast. I wouldn't be that shocked, you know, if they ran Revolution in California, to be honest with you, um, or somewhere in the south, maybe. Well, but I think speaking, I think they're going to try to spread it out a little bit. Yeah, and yeah, speaking definitely. of expansion, weren't they on the cusp of heading to Europe right before the pandemic? Mm-hmm. I came so. in. And what about yeah, Canada? Yeah, they got. Especially you, know, if you get a Kevin Steen. This is yep. one of the things about AEW that's a good thing is they don't run too many events. Uh, but it also makes it harder to see them live. We've been super fortunate here in the Midwest. They've ran a ton of shows in the Midwest, big shows. Um, Justin and I were going to full gear in a week and a half, and we were just at All Out with Kyle. So we've been very, very fortunate. I'm sure it's not always going to be the case, but they're gonna they're gonna get into all these markets. They're definitely gonna do Canada. They're gonna do stuff on the West Coast. You know, you can't not run California. What? It's like one in ten Americans live in California or something. Yeah. Massive, massive market. They got to they got to develop a presence out there, and it would be huge for them. And I think it's going to happen. Um, just give it some time. But yeah, that would that would help them for sure to increase their reach in that fashion as well. So it's exciting. I mean, they're moving in the right direction. I would say, you know, don't make any drastic moves. Just slow build. Just keep doing what yeah. you're doing, and the success will keep coming. And the first yeah. big test, I think, will come in several years from now. We always harp on how stale that WWE roster is. Tony cannot let his roster get stale. Like six years from now, we just don't want to, you know, there's going to have to be some decisions made. Who's still got more left in the tank? Who doesn't? You know, you, yeah. you, you're going to have to bring new people in. Uh, and, you, you know, you don't want to see retread feuds, matchups you've seen a thousand times before. I think that'll be a challenge, but, you know. It's only a two-year-old company. We're not there yet. So, yeah, that, that's what's so great about having Tony Khan at the helm of this is that you know he's kind of you know a student of wrestling history with the financial backing of a Vince McMahon. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's one of the things I love about it is because you know how much he loves the business. He's a mm-hmm. super smart fan. He's well-schooled on the history of the business. You listen to any podcast interview he's ever given. Like, he gets it. You know, I, I'm sure that I'm sure the second that the f- fans start getting bored is he he, he will be getting bored at the exact yes. same time. And, so. you know, I know WCW had more people watching, even in its demise. Did they have more people caring, though? 
Or is it just a lot of old people drooling routine on themselves viewer. waiting for Andy Griffith yeah. to come on? Because <laughs> well, like routine viewership, they've been around for so long, as you yeah. said, you know, on TBS for so many decades. Pe- people are really invested in the AEW product right now, the people that do watch it. Um, and I, I just think keep letting people slowly trickle, you know, matriculate uh, their way on. You know, there's the bad faith people on Twitter. I was very, you know, personally, this is Kyle speaking, I was very proud to see the absolutely hideous uh, WWE underscore junkie account suspended on Twitter. That guy's an absolute tool. Okay, I think a piece <laughs> of crap, a loser. Dragon, uh, that, Kyle. Dragon. That, that made me very happy. Um, I don't speak for anyone else, but uh, just a complete tool shed. Uh, did not contribute anything positive to the wrestling discourse. And uh, really, if he never speaks again on pro wrestling, that would be fine with me. This is a perfect moment for me to put the banner on the screen. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. <laughs> see on the video stream right now. Uh, there were some yeah, other I, accounts I came across yesterday too. Who else could I just bury? Like Jobber Nation <laughs> TV or something like that. Holy Lord, have mercy, guys! If you want to hear us talk more AEW, um, by the way, what you need to do—I'm you know mentioned many times—we're going to be recording Top Rope Nation Extra. Tomorrow night, probably, and we're going to talk about it off air. But almost every week, we do Top Rope Nation Extra after Dynamite or Rampage. So we are talking and really analyzing the AEW product on a weekly basis. But those are bonus shows we do on Patreon. So if you're if you're a weekly listener of this show, you want to hear from us twice a week, click that link in the podcast description. Check out the Patreon page. Best way to support the show, there's almost 60 bonus podcasts and growing each and every week there. Lots of AEW talk. You can only get that on Top Rope Nation Extra, the bonus podcast on Patreon. Um, But yeah, hey, follow us on Twitter. The show's at Top Rope Nation. I'm at Ryan Droste, D-R-O-S-T-E. And by the way, you got about a week to enter the show. We are giving away to one lucky person. AEW Full Gear on Pay-Per-View. You can enter the contest by going to my personal Twitter page, or you can find it on the show's feed as well. I've retweeted it. Um, all you got to do is follow myself and the and the show's Twitter page. Subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash Nation, and retweet the tweet that I sent out, and you'll be entered in the contest to win. Very easy. I think there's only like 30... 30 some people that have entered right now. So you have a decent chance of winning. This is a $50 pay-per-view get entered. It's very, very easy. You can watch full gear for free. And uh, of course we're on Facebook. We mentioned the Facebook pro wrestling discussion group. Just search it. I think it's linked here in the podcast description as well. And we're on Instagram as well. It's a lot of fun, Justin and Kyle. Thank you guys for, uh, you know, doing this on a Tuesday night. Thank you again for sacrificing your NXT 2.0 viewership oh, Jesus to do Top Christ. Rope Nation. <laughs> I, I, I have a few things I have left to say, though, believe it or not. Okay. Uh, one, have at one, it. The floor is yours, sir. One, the Atlanta Braves are about ready to win the World Series, it seems. If they don't, oh boy, are people from Atlanta going to kill me. Uh, number two. The next time we see Justin Joint, it, he may be podcasting with Dustin Rhodes and the Blacktop Bully, uh, a la the King of the Road match as he moves. Um, three, Brad Shepard stinks too, while we're talking about people that are no good on Twitter. How'd you forget that one? He's no damn good either. I think there was something else, but fuck it, I can't remember. That's enough. <laughs> Oh, this is a fun one. Thanks for all the great questions and some great topics. Jim Cornette, not Vince Russo, Greg, to answer a question that we didn't have time to get to. 
I would clearly oh, pick Greg had another question. Yeah, yeah. I, I would clearly pick Cornette over. Cornette makes regrettable remarks. His comments on Akaro Shida recently were absolutely heinous and out of bounds. But at least he knows wrestling, unlike mm-hmm. Vince Russo, who is absolutely atrocious. And I would actually rather watch Hogan Warrior 2 than Brothers of Destruction versus DX, believe it or not. His other question <laughs> he had. Oh, yeah, wow. Greg has a lot of good questions. The the Cornette Russo was if I believe if AEW had to hire one of the two, who would you pick? And yeah, for me, it was Cornette too, just because he's got more of a, a knowledge of the industry for sure. So, all right, Justin, best wishes on your move. Hope to see the new studio here on the video stream very soon. Kyle, hope you're feeling better. Everybody else, hope you have a great week. Thanks for tuning in. I think it was episode 228 of Top Rope Nation. We'll see everyone again very soon. Take care. But not you, WWE junkie. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.